Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Somebody Save Us. It's a Smallville podcast where, episode by episode, we go over the 2000s TV hit Smallville. And this week we are covering the finale of season one at long last. Uh, written by Alfred Goh and uh, Miles Miller and Philip Liebens. And directed by Greg Beeman. Uh, it originally aired on May 21st, 2002. And we're going to get right into it right after this. Hey, Steve, how's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, you said now uh, we're covering the uh, finale at long last, and it has been a long, long last. Yeah, uh, so for anybody listening to this in the far-flung future, basically right toward the end of February, uh, things got real serious. I mean, we I think we may have even mentioned in a previous episode what was happening with COVID-19, but it really got serious and it remains very serious. Uh, and both of us uh, really had to hunker down because we kind of work in essential services. Yeah, yeah. So um, we work in essential services, um, designated essential services. So while everybody else was kind of uh, unquarantined or, or uh, government-mandated lockdown, uh, Paul and I were still working full time on the front lines, um, uh, likely overtime in, in Paul's case. Um, uh, I work in, uh, the medical industry. So, I mean, I'm sure you can all understand the stress of that as far as like finding PPE and, you know, all the cliches that everybody's heard, like all of that stuff at the very beginning of COVID hitting North America, it was a very stressful time for a lot of people. We're not discounting that, but it did push a lot of things to the background. There were a lot of priorities that had to be reshuffled and rearranged. And uh, as much as Paul and I really enjoy this show, it had to take a backseat to uh, staying healthy, staying alive, taking care of our friends and family. Um, but uh, but we're back now. And and we, we hope you have joined with us we did celebrate a milestone while we've been gone in that we have now surpassed 2,000 listens so for those of you who have been loyal and have been checking us out thank you thank you so much yeah I mean like that's that's super awesome that uh people kept listening to the show catching up uh finding it even um after the fact because you'd think everybody who had listened to the show would have listened to the show maybe people have listened to the show multiple times but uh, I think it's, you know, it's had kind of a slow spread over time. And if you, if you put it in context with this being about the 20th episode or 21st episode, I mean, not including our crisis, it's about a hundred listens a show. So, which is, I mean, I was like kind of scrolling through which shows did well and which didn't. And I yeah. mean, yeah, some of them are in the two or 300 listens. Some of them are in about 40 or 50. So it's not an average of, yeah. Uh, um, a 100-ish a show, and I honestly can't pinpoint what makes a show more popular than the other because still one one of one of the most important uh, story um, lines in the show, uh, one of the one of Paul and I's favorite episode is still one of the least listened to. 
Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not necessarily going along with plot lines or important story points or 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 great episodes, as far as I can tell. Um, you guys just decide what you want to listen to when you want to listen to it, and I'm I'm all good with that. Maybe there was like a really solid joke or two or something. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as far as like gaining listens while we've been gone, I'm kind of a weird theory about that, and it's it it also lent to. Um, a conversation between me and Paul as to why we wanted to bring the show back. And um, we've, we've made no, and we've talked about the history of the show before that it started out late 2001. Um, it wasn't very long after uh, n- the events of nine 11 that Smallville hit the air. And it was kind of, uh, especially for people like myself, um, a, a real nice fresh of uh um breath of fresh air uh a really nice um kind of light in the darkness it was exactly what superman is intended to be which is this kind of beacon of hope this just this 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 thing this uh um event or or um this um god i can't think of the word but this energy that just brings light into your world. And Smallville did that for a lot of people. And I still think that it's release date after such a um, tragic and traumatizing event really did lead to its popularity. Um, And so Paul and I, in in our discussions um, between shows uh, during the whole COVID crisis, and now with what's going on in the world where you've got COVID going on, and then you've got... um, the uh rioting in the states people fighting for their rights um we figured like now would be a good time to maybe resurrect the show and in a way point people towards smallville and maybe again redirect people to a little bit of hope in what seemed to be really dark times yeah i mean like that thing is smallville is pre-superman but uh, the show and its message and what we want to do with the show uh, is to give people that comfort that Superman can give the world. Comfort is an excellent word for it. Excellent word for it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 I think it's something we like to do. It's something we're passionate about. And we want to give people something, uh, something a little light if we can. Yeah, we're going to try to keep it lighthearted. Uh, we may touch on current world events, um, because how can you not at this point in time? Um, I'm not one of those people who believes in, uh, burying my head in the sand and, oh, I don't pay attention to politics or news because it brings me down because it really does bring me down. But uh, I'd I'd rather be informed and and, um, and know what side of right and wrong that I'm on and why I'm on that side, um, as opposed to, like I said, burying my head in the sand and being oblivious. Ignorance may be bliss, but you know, yeah, at least no. being informed. I don't know. It's I it 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 must have its own benefits somehow. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that thing is, I think we, speaking for both of us, we're fucking pissed about what's going on and Uh, the injustice, the injustice of it all. 
Oh God, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you can't do a podcast about Smallville, which like you said, uh, is concentrating on a, a young Clark Kent who is learning his moral value to eventually become Superman. You can't be a Superman fan and think truth, justice, and what has been in the past, the American, the American way, the American dream, and, and not realize that it hasn't always applied to a lot of people, that a lot of people have been left out of that dream. It's always been sold to them, but maybe they've been excluded. Um, and you, you just can't believe in the virtues that Superman preaches and not be a voice for those who, who are underrepresented and maybe do not have a voice for themselves um, yeah. or back them up when they do decide to exercise that voice. Absolutely. Um, with that being said, let's hit I'll it. Let's, it off. Yeah. So uh, this is cold open. Uh, we get a, a sheet, uh, like a feed up shot of Lex uh, kind of standing on the uh, helicopter pad at uh, Luther Corp and uh, at the plant. And uh, we've got a chopper coming in and Lionel hops out, kind of seems in a great mood. He's kind of smiling and uh, he asks if everyone's assembled and uh, having apparently only given 24 hours notice and Lex is wondering why. And, uh, Lionel says that it's just one of his customary motivational speeches he's heard a hundred times. And so he kind of comes up the steps and he gives, he's shaking hands and uh, talking to the management and uh, goes and hits the stage. Um, and it's kind of, you know, an impromptu. It's like, it's at the plant, right? So he's, there's kind of like a catwalk he's standing on. Um, and, uh, you know, with the, he reminds, I think he reminds, or Lex reminds him, uh, as he's kind of about to take the stage, because he's clearly nervous, like Lex is like shitting bricks, but it, he's like he, uh, you know, the plan has turned quarterly profits for the first time in two years, and these people are expecting a pat on the back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is um, it's such a kind of great opening, especially because of what's about to happen. But like, it opens up and it's got, and I don't think it is actually nine inch nails, but it's got like a nice nine inch nails sounding band uh starting it off which yeah i mean if you were a nine inch nails fan back in the day or even today you know that their music isn't exactly happy go lucky no so that contradicting the behavior of lionel it kind of gives the whole very beginning of the episode like a really weird schizophrenic feel you see that lex is kind of sweating it which is not something that lex does easily yeah but he doesn't know why this has been called and, and again, man, like just seeing Lionel Luther on screen, all I can hear is Johnny Cash is when the man comes around. Like, yeah, things are not going to go well right now. Uh, no. Even with that smile on his face and shaking hands like, hey, how are you? Oh, good for you. Blah, blah, blah. Like in this episode, and it will prove itself more and more as it goes on. Lionel Luther is kind of the epitome of like corporate America right now where it's. Well, go go on. T tell the people what Lionel does here, and then we'll get back into. Yeah, yeah. So the assembled workers cheer, and uh, Lionel starts by telling them how they've worked so hard, and that they should be very proud of themselves. Um, and then he kind of twists the knife when he says, "Just as a ship can only follow the course set by its captain, 
any business is only as good as its leadership. And oh, you see it, the kind of the camera pans a little bit to Lex and Lex's face starts to kind of fall. And like, uh, he just yeah. he knows like it, it instantaneously like betrayed. I, I'm being betrayed in front of people. Like he's, he's basically, he's the patsy. He's being like, Lionel is essentially just pointing right to him and go, oh, by the way, what's about to happen? This guy's fault. Yeah. And that's the thing is, it's also sort of like Lex has probably heard the beginning part of the speech before. And as soon as Lionel said, just as a ship can only follow the course set by its captain, Lex was probably like, oh no. Because he's probably well, I, heard that part before. A part of me was wondering if Lex thought that he was finally going to get a congratulations. Because <laughs> Lionel starts off so strong with, oh, you guys should, you've done an excellent job. Profits are up. You've almost doubled or tripled them. You should give yourselves a pat on the back. And, yeah. you know, you can kind of see a little bit of pride in in Lex. And then he goes, mm-hmm. and just like any business can only be a success, or any ship can only be as successful as the the man captaining it. Every, any business can only be as successful as those in charge or those in the leadership. Yeah, yeah. Which is why and it's not your fault that I'm going to fire you all right now and close the plant. Yeah. Due to management failures beyond your control, this yeah. plant will be closing effective immediately. And then he just raises his hands, finishing, saying, good luck to all of you. And he just walks away. And he just pieces out as fast as possible. Yeah, he gets out of there. Um, well, I mean, it's smart. And, Leave them in stunned silence because the last thing you want is for them to realize what the fuck's going on because you're you'd be lynched. Like, yeah, and Lex is chasing after him, uh, and he's just like, and he's like, you just fired twenty five hundred people without blinking, and like Lex is trying to appeal to him, bringing family, like talking about their families, and Lionel simply turns it into a lesson in business, and lectures Lex about letting emotions get in the way. And, and that's, yeah. it's, I go, I go to like the whole, like, uh, Lionel kind of epitomizing, like, um, I don't want to say like all of corporate America, but definitely the corporate greed of like, yeah. uh, higher end wall street kind of things like that, where it's like, Oh, 2,500 people. Yeah. We're just going to completely dissolve their paychecks and we're going to close down the, the major branch of work in this small town. And I'm doing it all. Not because it's hurting my bottom line. It's actually helping my bottom line. I'm doing it because I need to teach one person a lesson. I'm doing it for a very petty reason. Because my son said no to me when I offered to move him back to Metropolis, which was also like an underhanded thing. But I'm doing that because a competitor is showing himself successful and I need to put that competitor in his place. So I'm going to hurt a whole bunch of people to do it. Yeah, and it's like Lex is really told that his training is over and it seems like Lex's time in Smallville is at an end and uh, he kind of just glares after Lionel as the helicopter, I, I think, is just taking off and we just see you know, him staring after Lionel into the opening. Yeah, because um, I think Lionel gives him like, oh, you have whatever, 72 hours or something to get your affairs in order here and then. Yeah, yeah. I, so I wanted to I wanted to bring up because you brought up the song that opened the cold open. Uh, I remember back when I did the like when I did my notes for this like months ago. <laughs> um, I did a little bit of research to try to find 
what it was and I just couldn't. I just couldn't find anything. Um, maybe it was just like an incomplete IMDb uh, page for this particular episode. Um, and the uh, the little X-ray feature that you can use uh, on Amazon, if you're watching it on Amazon, a lot of times it will tell you the song that's playing yeah. in the background, but it does not in this case. Interesting. I wonder if you could Shazam it. You probably could. I'll have to try. I'll have to try. I'll try as soon as the show's over. Yeah. Um, if not, uh, and and if you are still with us after this long, long hiatus and, and like a loyal listener and welcome back. Thank you very much, by the way. Uh, if you know who this is, feel free to tweet us and let us know. Because um, it sounds a lot like Nine Inch Nails at first, but then it kind of opens up towards the end. And I, I have a note here and I'm not sure why I said it, but I'm like, no, definitely not Nine Inch Nails. Not even close. Right. So yeah. it's got to be a sound alike. Yeah, something like it, you know. Um, but yeah, that, I guess that's the only thing I have to say about the that opening. But it's a pretty strong opening because it kind of, it, uh, you know, we know uh, like even at the time this show episode aired, that this is going to be the season finale of the show. And maybe they didn't know whether they were getting picked up for a second season yet. And so maybe they were trying to wrap up a couple things, potentially. There's a couple things in the episode that lead you to think that, and then a bunch of things that, because of the cliffhanging nature of them, they must have known, really, that they were Well, this was back. kind of back in the day where almost every final episode of a season of TV ended with some kind of cliffhanger element. And I think it was, uh, writers, producers, showrunners, uh, doing their best to, um, twist Just the studio's you. arm. Like, well, you yeah. can't, you can't end the series now because I set this thing up and you can't let fans go without resolution. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't too long after this, that, that studios started doing exactly that. Like, oh yeah, we know yeah. it ended on a cliffhanger. We don't care. Um, yeah. And then yeah. like a decade later, Netflix would come back and save us from things like that by picking up series that were ended prematurely. Right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the uh, in the proper opening after the theme, um, Clark and Pete are discussing their formal wear for the dance. And despite asking his opinion, Clark ends up just taking Lana's red looks good on you comment. Uh, as the way he ought to go in terms of his mm. tie. Because he's, you know. And Pete says something about uh, maybe changing his look because he doesn't want uh, them to get mixed up. Yeah, so obviously uh, Pete ordered, like, the red cummerbund tie. Yeah. Um, I do like that Clark's waiting, or, or Clark's only now, like, days before, maybe a day before ordering his tux. Because it it really flows with the rest of the season where it's like, well, he's wanted Lana this entire time and probably resigned himself to the fact that while she's with Whitney, he's not going to get her to take her to this dance. Yeah. And now he's with Chloe. So now he's got a reason to get one. Yeah. So it's I mean, it's just like a little plot point. But as far as continuity goes, it actually works in really well that Clark waited last minute to get his um, to get his talks as well as like. Chloe planting seeds a few episodes ago that her prom dress was pink. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is it's, uh, I think in terms of, uh, number of days, 
uh, a number of days passed during this episode, but we don't really know how many because of something that will happen uh, in a couple scenes um, that we'll get to. But um, so Clark and Lana walk on and he swears her to secrecy about his plans to get he and Chloe a limo via Lex. Um, and then Chloe shows up and drops the bomb that the plant is closing. Um, and of course, that's where her dad works. And I have like just the most bitter of notes here. <laughs> and it's, I mean, if you haven't noticed that I'm like, like a left leaning Canadian folks, it's going to come out in this one little thing right here. It's just like, uh, huh, massive job losses in the heartland. Better blame the libs. It certainly wasn't the massive multi-billion dollar corporation, multinational corporations and greedy assholes running it. Good thing. This is a work of fiction. Phew. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Jesus, dude. <laughs> you know. Oh, what can you do? Well, just we tax lost... them. Just fucking tax them for fuck's sakes, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oof. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I just lost this. Like were... we had, we had one right wing listener who was just on the fence. Who was like, "Ah, oh, these guys aren't that bad." He just shut the podcast off, and he's not coming back. <laughs> I'm sorry, my oh, dude. Oh no! Oh no! Um, yeah, <laughs> you're definitely, you're in a bitter mood when you're writing the notes for sure. <laughs> I'm always in a bitter mood, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, I think the next scene is just on the farm and the Kents are talking about the impact that this is going to have. And Jonathan is about to get on his high horse about, you know, about how it's obviously Lex's fault that Lex ran into the ground. Clark tries to defend him. Um, and blames Lionel, but it's not really, it doesn't make any difference to, to Jonathan because a Luther is a Luther. Um, as much as, as movement has happened throughout the season, back and forth with Jonathan, maybe giving Lex a chance, maybe not giving Lex a chance. He's kind of still leaning toward, no, all Luthers are bad. Absolutely. It's one of the problems that I've always kind of had with Jonathan's storyline in, in that, like Jonathan's obviously a good man. He's a little short-sighted sometimes and he's got like a, a a bad temper and whatnot, but he's doing his best to raise Clark with with really good moral value. Um but and even though he's proven right down the line, the fact is like Jonathan is he prejudged Lex before ever getting to know him, and a lot of that prejudice from Jonathan did a probably did a lot to contribute to Lex going to where he went. I mean, mostly it's his father. Um, and I mean, there's a whole argument he had argument to be had with Lex Luthor in Smallville with the whole like nature versus nurture, um, yeah. breakdown on what uh, human development is about. But, but like think... Jonathan not embracing Lex, not like had Jonathan opened his arms and his heart to Lex. And just welcomed him into the family and been like, oh, he could have very easily become like a surrogate father to Lex. I could totally see this version, like Rosenbaum's version of Lex Luthor, totally leaving the Luthor name in the past. I don't want the money. I don't want the fortune. The Kents yeah. have welcomed me. They're my new family. Guess what? I'm a fucking farm boy now. Yeah, well, and I think, well, I mean, it, it just goes too far into the future to talk about spoilery things. But like, I think really... It's not really nature versus nurture. It's that 
Lex's nature could have been overcome by nurture. Oh, that, that excellent argument. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. I like that. Um, and I, and I, yeah, uh, I agree with it. And, and the thing is like, I guess my initial point is with Jonathan trying to teach all this moral value to Clark, he's very hypocritical in it. Yeah. In that, because and I'm, I'm sure he also says it multiple times about bad guys in the show throughout the, the time that the show is going to go on where Clark's like, I don't know, dad, I'm really suspicious of this guy. And he's like, Clark, you can't just judge people based on blah, blah, blah. Like you do it every day to my best friend. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there. I think we'll start pointing it out whenever it happens. We're gonna have to. Be a, fun, a fun, a fun drinking game. <laughs> when Jonathan blames, when Jonathan wants to give somebody the benefit of the doubt when they are clearly evil. <laughs> yes. Oh, and he does it all the time. Martha's worse, though. Yeah. I mean, uh, Clark is disappointed, and he kind of tries to point out that Lex really seemed to like the town and that he had big plans. And Jonathan is just kind of throws it back in his face with one more line. And he's, he says, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, and then he just kind of leaves the room. Which is a weird, um, it doesn't even make really make sense in terms of, you know, I mean, it kind of does cause Lex may have had a lot of plans and intentions for the town, but I don't know. I don't think it really works in this context. Well, I just, I just never, and I mean, I'll have to look up the, uh, the moral lesson behind that saying, but I've never really understood it. I, I, I guess it's kind of an yeah. ends justify. Is it, is it an ends justify the means kind of thing? Like your good intention is to. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tax billionaires. So you decide that like, kidnap and ransom is a way to get that money like well that's not a good intention and it's obviously an evil thing or your intentions were right but the way you're carrying it out is evil yeah is that does that make sense is that what it well i don't I'll think look it so up. don't worry about it. we're not we're not here to, <laughs> we're not going to interrogate one line one minor throwaway line from the episode and we just go down like a 40 minute <laughs> we philosophical <laughs> tangent about it yeah but usually about much dumber things oh yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> like our two hour episode uh, on the episode with uh, Amy Adams. <laughs> oh God. That was a fun episode though. And one of the worst episodes of the show, but we had fun with it. Yeah. Um, so uh, in the next scene uh, is Lana and Whitney. Uh, uh, Lana's brought eyes covered to a romantic picnic by the pond uh, by Whitney um, but more than anything, she's kind of wondering what the occasion is and he kind of gets kind of serious and he just wants to thank her for everything and that he got something to tell her and he starts rummaging through his backpack as kind of a moment of panic in her eyes. Like, Oh God, is he going to propose to me? But yeah, I mean, this actually, I mean, it didn't really surprise me, but like, I thought the same thing. I thought he was going to propose. And I, for some reason, like totally expected her to say no. And I, I think she would have, and it would have fit with the character. Cause she doesn't, I still don't think she really wants to be with Whitney anymore. I think she felt guilted into it after Whitney's dad's death and was there for moral support and knew like, you can't dump a guy after his dad died. Like it's just yeah, not going to happen. But I think like, she's just kind of riding out the relationship at this point like she's not hating it she's not loving it she's just in it yeah and like 
there's a couple times in this episode where she looks like she wants to find a way to let him down easy, but he is taking himself out of her life as we're about to learn where he reads a letter uh, that she's handed and uh, she learns that he's enlisted in the Marine Corps and that he's going to be leaving uh, for basic on Saturday. This happened um, way earlier in the show than I expected. I thought Whitney um, was at least two seasons. I, like, I thought this event happened, like, because I remember him enlisting and then going off to, to basic. Uh, yeah. But I thought that that didn't happen until the end of season two. Um, I knew he wasn't around much after season three. Uh, so I, I know for sure that he comes back in season two. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'm not, but we'll get it. We'll, 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 we won't go to get it. It is pretty early into season two, I think. Actually, yeah. Within the first 10 episodes. Um, but so this is the first time where, and he, he actually, he asks this kind of directly a couple times where he asks her to wait for him. And we don't, we get a look on her face, but then we cut, uh, we kind of cut out of the scene before we get whether she answered him or, or not. Um, she's just kind of trying to process what she was just told, really. And well, it looks like she's, yeah. She does say in like a later scene um, with her and Clark talking that like she tells Clark, Whitney enlisted. Like he's, yeah. he's going to the Marines and he mm -hmm. asked me to wait for him. And, and like Clark asked, well, what did you say? And she says, nothing. I just stood there dumbfounded. Yeah. So she doesn't answer him at all. She kind of just leaves him hanging, which I think Whitney probably just assumes is just like, okay, that's a yes, I guess. Um, yeah, I get the feeling that Lana is planning to let him go and then maybe writing a letter to him while in basic saying yeah. like, I can't do a long distance thing or things have changed too much or. Um, I was already drifting away from you before you left kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, like Lana's Lana's checked out of this relationship. Like I said, she's out of it. She's just still in it. I said, I, I don't remember for sure. And we'll, we'll be finding out sooner, sooner than later. Uh, but I, I think other than the episode where Whitney comes back, we don't even really hear about lana writing letters or receiving letters oh, no, that's from my i'm just assuming at this yeah point. yeah, that's, yeah. That's, i think that's probably what's going on in the back of her head like yeah uh, well i'm not gonna wait for you i i don't necessarily even want to be here right now but again she's like i'd probably break up with you right now if it wasn't for circumstances yeah you think about where she's at in terms of where she is in her life, she is a 10th grader being asked by her senior boyfriend to wait for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, yeah. It's not going to happen. <laughs> not so much. Uh, but, uh, so the next scene, uh, is at the mansion. Clark goes to see Lex. Um, and, uh, it's Clark is just standing in the study holding the octagonal disc. Uh, when Lex comes in behind him and Clark kind of makes a comment about like nice paperweight or something like that. Yeah. Um, and Clark asks Lex like what happened 
Um, and Lex is still kind of in a mood and he just responds kind of sharply that it's one of two things. He either ran the plant into the ground through incompetence or on purpose so that he could go back to Metropolis. That was, those are the two running theories. Which again, still doesn't track because they've already said like the plant is running it optimally and turning out yeah. record profits. Yeah. So neither of those things is true. It's just what's being spread by his father. Yeah. Um, and uh, the yeah. one thing I do love is that Clark went directly to Lex. Yeah. Like Lex is being ostracized by everybody in town. Um, and to yeah. them, you would say rightfully so, because this man just cost the entire town their job. But Clark went to Lex to go like, dude, you're my friend. I want to know like, what's the situation. I don't think you're a bad person. I want to know, like, I want to hear things from your side. Um, yeah. And I just appreciate yeah. that about Clark. Like he didn't abandon his friend where it would have been so easy to go, man, that guy's such a prick. Yeah. And he, and he took the pulse of the situation, saw the kind of, you know, he asks if Lex is actually going to go back to Metropolis. X kind of, Lex kind of says, maybe that's Lionel's plan, but maybe not. He's going to try to see what he can do. And so Clark kind of reads the room and decides to not ask him about the limo. Oh, and, that's right. Oh, I was so, thinking he was all yeah. there just to be a good friend. He was actually there yeah. for like selfish purposes. Yeah. yeah. But then he was like, Ooh, this is not the time. And so Lex thanks him for coming. And Clark just kind of leaves saying, uh, what are friends for? I was watching this scene and then something dawned on me as someone who just like collects far too much nerdy shit mm. how do i not have a replica of that key it wouldn't be that hard to 3d print one either i don't it wouldn't be hard <laughs> to 3d print one it wouldn't be hard to like get a, a schematic of it and bring it into like just a machine shop and go do you have some yeah. quarter inch thick aluminum cut yeah. this for me yeah i'm gonna have yeah. to do that i bet you that would cost me like all of 15 dollars, and it would be cool as fuck yeah and then you just little, literally put it inside a, the little, a little clamshell case, just like the one he's got. And oh, I put, put it in it, like a glass case. Yeah, put it next like to your, your, your uh, you've got like a full like set of Al, uh, Alexander's armor from the, from, from the oh, museum oh, yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just rebuild Lex's office. <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, but yeah, so uh, over at the torch... Uh, it seems Chloe wants to get it um, in as much Smallville time as she can uh, because her dad is thinking about moving them back to Metropolis permanently. Um, she sort of just wants Saturday to be great and Clark promises that it will be a night that she won't forget. And my only note here is, for fuck's sakes, kiss already. Yeah, they do a lot of like, it's like, uh, like a touch that is like for a few moments. Uh, it's either in this scene or maybe it's something that happened already, but like uh, Chloe makes some comment about whether or not Clark is actually, you know, wanting to go with her or whatever. And he's like, he says that he's going with her by choice and then he kisses her on the forehead or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a lot of, I mean, it's not necessarily as bad uh, as, like, the blue balling done by Mulder and Scully, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Where it's just, like, just 
give the people what they want. We want them to kiss and be happy for at least a little bit. Like, and I'm sorry, but these are like two high school kids who are going to be just horny as fuck. They haven't kissed at all. Yeah, and that's the thing is like it's sort of like the language of kind of WB programming at the time where it's like a kiss on the forehead means one thing. But if they were to have kissed on the lips in the hallway at school, that puts their relationship at a different spot. I guess. I, I mean, like, I understand. I'm sure the writers at this point were like they are keeping them apart for a reason because they knew fans wanted it so badly. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So uh, Lex uh, is pretty quick to get his plan in motion. Uh, he has gathered the management from the plant and rolls out his plan to uh, basically plan a buyout of the plant. Uh, in which he would raise 90% of the capital and leaving the last 10% for the management employees to raise. Um, and they kind of are doubtful. And But he kind of just like, look, it would be like a ownership stake. Um, and that he uh, says he wants to give them a chance to take control of their own destiny. And uh, kind of... He's he's giving them his best uh, Luther Luther speech. Uh, he's like, stand with me and we'll win. This is um this episode is one of the best uh, that I can remember. I'm sure there's I know there's some really good ones coming up that I don't uh, in the future that I don't really know the specifics of. But uh, this is one of the best um, Lex and Lionel playing chess episodes ever yeah. where it's just this constant scheming behind the other's back to try to one up each other. So this is a great master stroke by, by Lex. Like, look, I'm putting up 90% of my own money yeah. to buy this factory. I need you guys to come up with the, with the other 10%. And, and they're all like, what do you, but they, you want us to mortgage our houses for this? And he's like, it'll be worth it. You mortgage your house and you will become shareholders in this company. And over time, you guys can buy it outright. Um, yeah, and I, I think this is basically the very beginnings of uh, of LexCorp. Like, he sort of, if I remember correctly, there are parts I can see that. He, does, he will go his, his separate ways here. But, like, um, uh, yeah, I just like that. Lex, with a good plan and good intentions, um, yeah. has always been, like, a really fun thing when it happens, uh, yeah. whether it be this or, or in comic books, like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a scenario. Um, well, I, I mean, I, a bad scenario, I guess, but like all-star Superman, I think it's all-star Superman where for a second towards the end, um, Lex gets all of Superman powers. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to blow like the whole thing for you, but there's just this line in it where he just like kind of starts to realize how Clark sees the world and how he feels. And he just looks at him. He's like, this is what the world is like to you all the time. And it, you can see, like feel it yeah. in Lex that it changes him at that point, that his intentions to be just like evil Lex just dissolve away. Cause he gets like the humanity yeah. and the love that exists inside Superman. It was a weird yeah. tangent, but anyway. Yeah. But like, I well, like, I like a good Lex. Yeah. And, and we get, and that's the thing is in these early seasons, we get a lot more of it 
than we do later on. But it is basically because it's basically that slow gradient from Lex is kind of in like the kind of white gray area and goes just to black. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, but at the Talon, uh, Clark and Lana are having a bum out, uh, where Clark mentions Chloe might be moving away and Lana drops that, you know, Whitney is planning on joining the Marines and he's very interested. Um, maybe, maybe not in the way like he instantly thinks, oh, I have a chance now. Um, but she admits is though. Yeah. Like, like you, you that's can tell the look, the, the look on his face. That's what it says to me. He's like, Oh really? Um, yeah. and it, like my note, my only note for this scene is, uh, is that Clark got kind of an issue right now where he's dating Chloe. He's kind of committed to Chloe. He does have feelings for her. He's affectionate towards her. He knows she's totally down 100%, but he finds out she may be moving to Metropolis. And the first thing he does is Go see Lana. Yeah. Yeah. That's an issue. Yeah. And, and then when, and then when he goes to see Lana and finds out that she might be shortly single, uh, it maybe changes his mind a little bit. But I I think the thing is though, is because Clark is realizing he has actual feelings for Chloe. It's not really like he's just going to drop her. Um, No, no, I don't think so either. But, um, they kind of joke around a little bit because, you know, she admits that she was too stunned to give, uh, Whitney an answer. Um, but, uh, and that w- she says that he's leaving Saturday. He kind of jokes about, Hey, at least you don't have to worry about a dress, which you'd think Lana probably already did figure out her dress situation because again, oh, I would, you, yeah, you'd have to, I almost guarantee that. Yeah. Unless she was again, because she wasn't necessarily committed to her relationship, was thinking of coming up with some kind of excuse to not go. Maybe. I mean, that's the thing is like, again, I think like a number of days pass, but we're not really told how many. Yeah, I I mean, I would ballpark it at around three. It gets really messy as far as and it took me until pretty late in the episode to realize why they were doing it. But as far as like the night day cycle goes. Towards yeah. the end of the episode, the color of the sky is all over the place. So it looks like yeah. daytime at some places and dark as fucking night in other places. And I yeah. was like, do they not know what time of day this is happening? And I was like, oh, well, no, it's a storm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers. But oh, spoilers. Next scene. Next scene. Uh, Clark is just uh, he's kind of, you know, he's taking out some of his frustration by doing some work in the field. He's uh, planting posts uh, in the field. He stops kind of he's just thinking about what's happening he's miserable fucking fitness goals man yeah just just driving those massive posts into the ground as far as like as far as a practical effect too he's so tom welling's got these posts and they've got these pre-dug holes and they're full of dirt and he pounds the the post in and the dirt flies out yeah, there's there's like there's there's like got to be an air compressor in there. So as soon as he drops it in, someone yeah. fires the compressor and the dirt puffs out. And yeah. like you said, practical effect. And I bet you it was super easy to pull off, but it's so effective because you look at him and you go, "Fucking beast, just beast yeah. mode." Yeah, and he's like, he's just doing it. You know, he's Effortlessly. obviously got 
yeah, effortlessly. And he's also got something else on his mind and he's just going through the motions, which yeah. is why when he gets in the truck, old blue and turns the key, it blows. Yeah. Clark got blowed up. Good. And uh, so Clark knocks the door like it, it's like it blows. And then he sits in it for a few seconds before he's like, OK, uh, and then knocks the door about 20 feet, gets out, pulls off his jacket and his shirt or what's left of his shirt. Uh, and then uh, we cut to the viewfinder of Roger Nixon's camera, uh, who we can just assume got all that probably caused it. You would think so. I mean, he's recording it for a reason. Yeah, because it was the end of the last episode, Obscura, uh, where we found out that the person who was watching Clark the entire episode wasn't the BMX gimp, but it was Roger Nixon. Yes, yeah. Which that was so long ago, I can't believe I pulled that. That's, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not, honestly, not a great episode. And I, like, it seems to me that, like, uh, the gimp there was just a redirect so you thought that the viewfinder stuff was him. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause he's got like the visor that he's wearing the whole time. And yeah, like that, that episode was bad because it was like the A story was trash. And then the B story was just setting up the penultimate. Yeah. Episode yeah. For this, for this week. Right. For this episode. Um, yeah. I, man. That was a bad episode. But yeah, so in the aftermath of this, Jonathan has a theory that it was a leaky fuel line and the fumes from the fertilizer caused the explosion. But Clark is just happy it wasn't one of them in the cab. And then he also mentions that this time he didn't really feel anything, didn't barely felt the heat and isn't bruised. Which and, is, yeah. and Martha says to him, um, while your powers must be increasing as you get older, which is something that could, they go into further down the series. Um, and especially when new powers start to manifest, but I do like that because you, you have seen a steady trajectory with Clark in the first season as to how powerful he's getting where yeah. like, um, the first episode where he just shoves his hand into the, into the, the, uh, the wood chipper. And then yeah. the first time he gets shot and he's bruised, but only bruised. Yeah, and then yeah. later on he shot and then there's no bruising. And he says he barely felt it. And this time it's like, well, I just got it blew up and I barely felt the heat. Like, yeah, we have, we haven't quite gotten to the episode where I think he's like shot in the eye and you see the bullet like crush as it's hitting him in the eye or something like that. Is that, are you sure you're not pulling that from, um, uh, Superman returns with Brandon oh, Ralph? Maybe, maybe. That's 100% um, in that. I, yeah, no, I remember but that's I, I, I sort of remember maybe they might have re like done an homage in Smallville I, for that. I kind of remember Clark getting shot in the face and the bullet shattering with that metal shattering effect. Yeah, they love yeah, so yeah. Much. yeah. So that might well, be it. Yeah, because remember, because, yeah, there was that the first time he got really riddled with bullets was that time where Lex uh, got a hand job uh, and. Yeah, Lex's <laughs> hand job. Yeah. And, and just like hit him with like, uh, like a, basically a, a, a gat <laughs> and like, like, like Clark went down, like he, he got knocked down by the bullets. Yeah. Um, and that was the time I think where he got all bruised up, but yeah, this time it's like he got hit and he got blown up and didn't feel anything. 
Yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely getting more powerful. And there's, um, there's one where they, there's an episode coming up and it's one of my favorites where they connect where Clark gets his power from. Like it's, it's, it's a natural thing. It's a natural Kryptonian on earth thing, but there's like an extra step in there. There's an extra ingredient, an extra special spice in the Colonel's chicken. Um, (laughs) and it's a really, really fun episode. Yeah. I, I I vaguely remember it. I think it's probably going to come. It's going to come maybe as this uh, as part of the uh, Heat Vision episode. Maybe. Is it the Heat Vision episode? That episode's corny as shit. And I, I just there's the Heat Vision episode's dumb. Uh, did you say corny or horny? It's both. It's because it is both. <laughs> it is. It's a very horny episode, um, which is Smallville gets really funny when they start like dealing with teenage lust. Yeah. Um, in a few instances, because whatever, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's uh, when Clark finally starts having sex, it's pretty funny <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so but at, at the uh, at the mansion, Lex is sitting reading um, and. I think I tried pausing this to see what he was reading. He was reading something about Alexander the Great. Um, but he dismisses it as Lionel walks in the room and uh, when asked why he's not in a hurry to pack. Lex informs Lionel that he has no intention of leaving and uh, and then, you know, uh, lets him know what he's planning with regard to the employee buyout. And he tells Lionel that the buyout you know, just to take the buyout now and keep his dignity. And Lionel is just laughing. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's playing his next, uh, his next, uh, uh, round on this chessboard. Um, and he apparently has bought the Smallville savings and loan and thus owns the mortgages of all the employees and won't think twice to foreclose on them. The second they start missing payments. So fucking dirty. Bitter. Just like, and this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode where he's like kind of the embodiment of like Wall Street corporate America where it's like, oh no, we will fuck you at every turn if it affects our plans whatsoever. Like we're we're not going to lose a dime here and we'll fucking ruin your life. We'll take your homes, we'll take your job and we won't. We won't lose a fucking wink of sleep over it. The whole no. time Lex trying to do his best to just like help out some people. The only human beings that Lionel is capable of seeing are maybe the members of his board. And that would be about it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and you, you get the hint later on down the road that there was um, for a time Lex... For a time, Lex's mom. Yeah. Have they mentioned the brother yet? I don't want to get into spoilers, but I guess I just did. They, I mean, they've mentioned Julian and the fact that he Okay. Died. So, so that, yeah, there's at one point, like you, you get the feeling that Lionel blames Lex for not being Julian. Yeah. Uh, so that seems to like, like. There for a while there, maybe Lionel was like a family man and those were the people that he felt mattered to him. And now like his wife's gone and Mm -hmm. like Lex is just a pawn in his game. He's just a tool for him to push around and use. 
And and although he, although he tries to use like the excuse of oh I'm trying to mold you into yeah. a strong man, it's really just kind of neglect and abuse and manipulation. Yeah, because if Julian had been alive up to this point, Lex would have been disinherited by this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we uh, so basically the last thing Lionel does before he leaves, because he kind of it's weird. These scenes, if you think about it, sometimes Lionel walks into an office. They have like a two minute conversation and then Lionel just leaves again. Yep. Um, but what he Which does is weird because right he's got to fly in from Metropolis to do <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. So he comes in and basically before, right before he leaves, he says he tells Lex that he's going to have to up his game to a whole new level if he wants to take him on. And he's right, because he's yeah. obviously, like, a few steps ahead of Lex. Yeah. Because he, he, I mean, like, he says when he comes in, or he's laughing at Lex, he's like, so how did you come up with the money? Oh, your mom's stocks, which was that thing that was set up a few episodes back. So you used your mom's share in the company, you sold them all off, used the money to buy the factory. Congratulations, really smart plan. Only problem is that 10% that you don't have, and guess what? I own that 10%, not the fucking people you brought in to tell them, you know, to mortgage their houses. Like, it's just, yeah. he's just ahead of him in every way. So we know, but that we, we know, like, we know that where the mansion is, uh, it was brought there intentionally brick by, by brick. Lionel, brick by brick. Um, so it's possible maybe that rather than it being like Lionel comes out there specifically to dunk on Lex and then just leave again, that somewhere on the other side of the house, like the east wing of the house, Lionel is just chilling. He just walked down a hallway to come dunk on Lex and then goes back to his office before leaving. Like maybe oh, he's that's not possible, even... I guess, because because my, my assumption is that he flies in at the beginning of the episode does his thing, jumps into the helicopter, and then I assumed flew back to Metropolis. But maybe he just flew, to the flew back to the mansion. Yeah. Because yeah. that helicopter's got to go somewhere. Right. So that makes sense, is that they're maybe both staying in that house. We just don't see what Lionel is doing in the house as yeah. filler scenes. Yeah, and, like, man, like, I know somewhere, because there's a lot of people that, you know, have have the time to do this but i imagine somewhere online there is a map of smallville where all of the different events and where where everyone's houses are in com in comparison to others and uh sort of how like we didn't really have an idea of what south park looked like until the stick of truth came out oh yeah 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 yeah. something like that where it's like maybe there is an actual canon of the way smallville is laid out I mean, there's like officially canon um, Metropolis and Gotham now, yeah. um, but I haven't seen, but that's like DC Comics universe. I haven't seen anything canon on this Smallville, but you're probably right. You would think the showrunners would have at some point had to chart something like that. I'll have to look that up, see if I can find that online. Yeah. All right. So, but... um. I think uh, the next one is at school. Clark and Chloe have a quick talk about prom stuff. Um, and with the truck having exploded and the limo a no-go, Clark feels like his chance to be a Prince Charming have gone up in smoke. But Chloe's cool um, saying that Cinderella was never her role model. 
Um, and they kind of, as they're walking through the hallway, they pass behind Whitney and Lana and some jocks. And you, you get a little bit of conversation of like, oh, you know, it's uh, something I got to do, man. Like it's, he's, he's just like talking. Yeah. Um, um, and then we swing back over to, I wrote, I wrote Clark as C-H-L-A-R-K because it's Chloe and Clark. Oh, so you're giving him like a Clark? Yeah, Clark, 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 Clark. Well, we we don't pronounce Chloe's name Chloe. So it's still it's still it's still Clark, (laughs) Chloe. I mean, I might from now on. (laughs) Uh, But they so they talk about how Lana was just you know asked to wait for him, and Chloe has opinions on that uh specifically more about how long distance relationships not being a thing that can work which uh she obviously then you know it's like she is basically signaling to clark that she thinks that when she leaves it's going to be over between them but i mean as somebody who myself is in a long distance relationship i really disagree with the uh, the attitude that they can't work um i, yeah, I think these are I, like 15 16 year old kids (laughs) exactly yeah it's it's a completely different thing but like or i mean that thing is like chloe really thinks that when she leaves for metropolis she's never coming back um and fair enough and this is the scene where chloe is just like really worried about that you know clark is gonna ditch her and leave her high and dry at the dance when lana is now available um and he does kiss her here uh, like I guess maybe on it maybe I think it's on the cheek or something, but it's just as Lana walks by um, and just kind of reassures her that he's going with her because he wants to and it's not by default. And like this is again the Allison Mac like doing her like super infectious happy smile like she's so oh happy. my god she does it twice in this episode and and like you're right it is. Because I thought the same thing in like a further down the line in a scene further down the line. And I'm like, I have never seen anybody with a smile like that. Yeah. That just can like fucking light up a room. I've never seen anybody who seems so happy when they smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is I, it's, it's a credit to because she does it. Uh, I, I would say there are there are episodes in the series where Chloe has the highest highs and the lowest lows in terms of like things that happen to her. Um, and she's definitely, uh, like Alison Mack is one of the strongest actors on the show. Uh, maybe only, I would say maybe even only third to, uh, uh, Rosenbaum and uh, uh, Glover as Lionel. I and yeah, I'd one hundred percent agree with that. I'd one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Um. So I did find a map of Smallville online. Um. Yeah. From Smallville Warner Brothers. So it huh. is like the official map that they had for the show. It looks like somebody built it in SimCity Three. Okay. Um, I'll email it to you. The only thing I can't find here is like Lana's farmhouse, um, which is supposed to be right, like right across from. So we can just assume, we can assume that's where it is though, because we know that. 
So you can pinpoint it by that. I think, like, I think I know where it is. It's just not labeled on here. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it's literally got the small Smallville sign in the middle of a field here somewhere. And, like, right. so what were we trying to figure out? What I was trying to figure out is where the mansion is in relation to the town itself. The mansion. Or to the plant. Or to the plant. Like, where's okay, the plant? Well, to the plant, yeah. it's, it's, like, legitimately on the opposite side of town. So okay. the plant, the plant is like South of town, mm-hmm. almost directly South of town across the river from Smallville. Right. And the Luther mansion is almost directly North, like nestled in a forest. Yeah. And, and we, we know that just from like the times where we've driven out there or like the episode cool where like they were near the mansion and the only way you can see it is by like a fucking lantern that's on the side of the road. Yeah. Which is you you blink and you miss it. Um but yeah, no, I I guess I'll I'll probably want to look at that just so I can like I like having that in my head as like being able to plot geographically how things work. Yeah, and I'm trying to can... download it and won't let me. It it honestly it will just be a fun resource if I ever get like a pen and paper yeah like dc rpg i mean at at this at some point i'm gonna have like a like a thing pinned up on the wall with like the red thread and i'm gonna be like charlie day like just (laughs) i mean why not there are so many conspiracy theories you could go into on smallville i think yeah just i i like being able to poke, poke holes in like the how did this character who doesn't have super speed get to this point so quickly if the town is so big or whatever, I like to be able to make those points. But um, at the Talon, again, uh, Nixon kind of approaches Clark uh, and directly asks him about the cl- truck and the explosion. And like uh, Clark is like so caught off guard, he tries, tries to kind of be like, oh, I wasn't in that truck. And uh, But then Lex shows up uh, and pulls... <laughs> And Lex goes like full sociopath. Yeah, because he acts, he acts like he's never met Nixon. At the blink of an eye, like there's yeah. not, there's not a taken aback. There's not a oh, you're, uh, um, do I know you? It's, uh, I'm sorry, who are you? Like immediately, yeah. like I don't know who the fuck you are. Why you? And it's believable. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he kind of insults the you know, the paper, you know, the examiner. Um, Nixon gets the hint and makes like a leaf and fucks off. And uh, Lex uh, asks what it was all about uh, and then kind of just tries to warn Clark off Nixon because obviously he feels like, you know, all Nixon would have had to say is something about Lex knowing him and then the cat would have been out of the bag, right? So, but, uh, you know, Clark is more than happy to stay clear of him because... You know, this guy clearly knows something. Yeah, I mean, and Clark needs to protect his secret. He and, and I mean that goes into like the very next scene where he's talking to uh, Jonathan and Martha, and he's just like, "This guy knows. This guy mm-hmm. knows something." And and they're like, "Well, how? Um, yeah. Or or how did does Clark know at this point that he blew up the truck? Well, he." Uh, I think he's just tried, he guesses because he's, he know all he knows is that Nixon saw it. 
Yeah, and he assumes he that. Because he says something about um. No, I think Clark does like. I think he's. I think he blew up the truck with me in it and whatever. Well, why would he do that? How would he know that you survive it? And then Clark says something about. Well, I think he saw me. Last week or what? Essentially, like talking about the last episode. Right. I think he might have seen me do something, and I can't remember what the something is. He says, and Jonathan's like, "Well, oh, so that's we, not your fault, Clark." Blah blah blah. I mean, that's the thing is like it has layers because we as an audience know that Nixon has seen him do other stuff. The thing that he saw him do last week was the practical scene where Jonathan and him were working together to throw those bags into the back of the truck. And Clark was doing it like three or four at a time. And Jonathan was like throwing them one at a time. Oh, yeah. And Nixon saw that. Didn't he also drop something on him? Uh, yes. No. No, that was that was uh, that was that Phelan guy. Oh, that was that that's cop, right. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. Because it's just I like this, this scene, like Jonathan kind of waving Clark. Off. Oh, Clark, it's not your fault. Blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it is. Clark is this early on, although he's trying to keep secret, he is still very cavalier with his powers. Yeah. I mean, granted, he's not running over the top of the school bus anymore, uh, but he's still not doing a great job. No, but he did like run through a party at super speed to like <laughs> make sure <laughs> a guy somebody from puking. Bowl, which is still like to me, I'm like, no, he's caught. That's it. He's caught. Because <laughs> he, to somebody else, he would have been standing in one place and then been a completely other place. To anybody yeah, who's looking at, at that moment. And the thing is, like, Superman's fast, but unless he's flying, he can't go the speed of light. So he yeah. at least would have looked like a really weird blur in the middle of this party. And whoever there saw would him have been have... a backdraft and a sonic boom. <laughs> yeah. All the windows break and like... Yes, like... Yeah, but no, that's not how it works. Um, Jonathan, I guess his suggestion, though, is just like, just try to keep on as normal, go to school, go to the dance, uh, and then wait for Nixon to come to them because he thinks that Nixon will come to them. If it, if it's about blackmail or about money, Nixon will come to them. Yeah. Um, and then they say, but, and whatever you do, stay yeah. away from the storm cellar. Yeah, they're like, they're talking. Oh, I lost you. And he says, I think uh, Lex has a piece of the spaceship. And then we cut to outside and uh, uh, Nixon's got like a directional microphone. Like one of those things that those guys in the NFL. Yeah. On the sidelines are like a smaller version of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And it basically it's yeah, he's basically found he finds out about the ship and about where the ship is. In like a sense. So perfect for him. Um, And then weirdly, Nixon is at the mansion in the next scene and like doesn't really even tell Lex anything other than just annoy the shit out of him. Uh, And and like all I could think for a lot of this scene is how like this dude needs to buy a suit that fits. (laughs) It looks like a toddler (laughs) wearing like it, it, it this might be three little people in a suit and that's the thing is nixon yeah he's like but he's playing that kind of character like he's basically he is 
a shitty reporter from a disreputable shitty newspaper who's like on his last buck drives a piece of shit car like and just bought a suit off the rack because it was something he thought looked sophisticated even though it was two sizes too big yeah yeah i see yeah that makes sense yeah and he's just such a slime ball but yeah he uh he gets warned off the kents again by lex because lex is just obviously trying to remain incognito um, and then Nixon suggests that maybe Lionel might be interested and Lex is just like, you better have something here. Um, I, I do like that Lex gets, even though it's been Lex's driving motivation for the season, mm-hmm. you know, finding out what happened on the bridge, finding out what happened at the crash site, finding out the truth about Clark because he su- suspects something. He also gets very protective. He's like, he's almost like, that's my secret, Nixon, mm-hmm. not the world's not yours. So he's still very protective of Clark, which is, I think something the writers of Smallville did very well, the entire run of the show and something Rosenbaum portrayed really well is the internal conflict in Lex. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's the thing is like, well, I mean, that's, uh, something I've just noticed um, just from like, I've listened to maybe not every episode, but close to every episode of Rosenbaum's podcast, Rosenbaum didn't have to reach very deep to find that kind of pain inside of him. No. And, 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 and like, I'm not even necessarily talking about that. And I don't like, I'm not saying he's, he, maybe he is method. I don't know, but, uh, yeah. I'm just saying like, as far as. Lex Luthor goes Mm -hmm. this show has done it and and you talk to anybody who's a fan of Smallville this show has done Lex Luthor better than any other medium save the comic books yeah um this is uh, I mean like Justice League Superman the animated series Lex Luthor is pretty damn good uh which is Clancy Brown doing the voice I believe um but but like this is like the perfect storm for Lex Luthor in that you have just um, an incredible actor who who has great range. And like you said, like the, the internal, I guess, um, uh, scars to really pull out the abuse that Lex goes through at the hands of Lionel. Yeah. Um, but you also have a writing team who knows what they want their Lex Luthor to be. Yeah. Uh, and it's not all bad guy. It's not, you know, it's not, it's layers. They handle this Lex Luthor in a way that I wish the prequel series and even clone wars would have handled Anakin going Vader. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 some of it has to do with, uh, we get basically seven years of Lex's transformation, whereas just by the by the by the um, by the realities of cinema, there's no way we could get Anakin uh, going properly to Vader over a three movie series uh, as uh, as effectively because we just have so much more time with Lex. Really, no, and I and I agree with that, but that's why I I lumped in the Clone Wars as well. Right, because yeah. even though the Clone Wars does a really good job of fleshing out a lot more of the Clone Wars um, uh, mythos, 
Um, even in that cartoon, although Anakin has like peaks of dark side to him, mm-hmm. he's still mostly a hero the whole time. Yeah. Like there's, there's very few instances of Anakin going dark in yeah. the Clone Wars series until closer to the, not even the end. If you just watch season seven, when he shows up, he's still like bravado hero guy joking around. Like a, he seems like a really good dude. Whereas yeah. Lex in this really seems yin and yang for yeah. most of it. And then the, 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 I don't know which part's the black part, the yin or the yang, but one of those parts, the dark part, starts to bleed over and take over the other part a lot more gradually and a lot more effectively. You still there? Yeah. Oh, Oh, did I? Yeah, you you blocked. I lost you a little bit there. Um, Okay. But, you know, I I get that. Like, 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 that's the thing is, like, Lex... His yin, his his yin and yang is pretty even for a lot of the episodes, uh, and then like I think it's like in the those later seasons where he's still like like Clark is already able to see who Lex is becoming, and is trying to kind of try to walk him back. But every time he fails, he's starting to kind of you know, he's like, all right, well Lex is turning into somebody I can't trust. And, uh, you know, we, we, then we eventually get to the point where Lex is basically just straight up full on a villain. He becomes the, he basically replaces Lionel in terms of being as evil as Lionel demonstrates himself to be over several seasons. And then surpasses him. And Um, then surpasses him. And and, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Cause that, I mean, as, as much as some of going through Smallville past season four is going to be a slog. Yeah. Rosenbaum is always gold. So yeah. when we get to that middle stuff, I'm, I'm probably going to cling to Lex like a life preserver. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And then maybe some of like, we, we, we get a few episodes with, uh, Christopher Reeve throughout yeah. the series. Chris and Reeve, then we and then they start throwing in um, cameos and stuff, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Um, so over at the Kent Farm loft, the winds of foreshadowing are blowing the pages of a book, and we see Clark struggling with his bow tie, and so it's he calls out to Martha for some help, um, and then he kind of jumps when Lex shows up, like. Was Martha actually there, like in the barn? Because there's no way he could just call out to her from the loft if she's not in the barn. It's a it's a weird scene. No, but and Lex I is... thought the same thing. I'm like, well, you're in the barn. Why are you? And because he's not yelling very loud. Yeah, like, mom, could you come help me with this? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, but that I mean, that's that's a good enough theory as any is maybe she was just in the barn. Maybe. And, or maybe but, uh, the my, my approaching is like, why is Clark changing clothes in the barn? He's got a fucking room. Yeah. Yeah. What's he doing <laughs> up there? Like this that's is, it's, so weird. it's for plot reasons. Cause it would be weird for Lex to walk into Clark's bedroom. But would it though? <laughs> like, I mean, I've seen yeah. the TV series where it's like, Oh, yeah. Hey man, your parents let me in. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're just coming over to visit your friend. It's no weirder. It's, it's, I would say it's almost weirder that, uh, hey, oh yeah, Clark always hangs out in the barn. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's the thing is like, uh, I think maybe, uh, the explanation really for why Clark gets jumpy is that he heard footsteps coming and then when it wasn't Martha, but Lex, that's why he kind of jumped to it being Lex. But, uh, Lex comments on, you know, Clark seeming a little tense, helps him with his tie. He's tied a lot more of them after all. Right. And then he asks about the truck, um, kind of half casually. He doesn't, I don't, I don't think Lex really does that good of a job about asking about the truck. Um, and you know, cause Clark puts his guard up, basically changes, um, the subject to the plant buyout. Um, Lex has a line where he talks about any relationship built, built on lies and deceit is destined to fail. Yeah. Like, like Lex is really trying to bait Clark into giving up the goods here. And that, that line to me is it's such, it's such a good line, but it's also so again, just completely sociopathic. Because Lex is in this entire conversation lying to Clark and then trying like he's I is this the proper like explanation of gaslighting? Yeah, he's literally lying to Clark and at the same time looking at Clark going, you know, Clark, if you're lying to me that like he's trying to like sow those seeds into Clark, like if you're being dishonest, then you're ruining our relationship as friends. Meanwhile, Lex is doing that exact thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing is like any relationship built on lies and deceit is destined to fail. And he's, yeah, he's talking about what he's doing. He's also talking about his relationship to Lionel. Um, but then he kind of, he kind of is just like, he's saying goodbye in a sense. He's like, you know, in case, in case this, he really, you know, is the last time they see each other. He hopes that whatever happens, they'll remain friends. Right. So he's. You know. Well, yeah, because I think I think at this point he accepts that Li- Lionel buying the savings and loan it Might was be a the master stroke. Like that, that yeah. was the checkmate. Yeah, like Le- Le- Lex has got no more moves, as far as I know. I don't think he does any through the rest of the episode, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah. I-, I just want to take like a quick two seconds to say that uh, this is like a 24, 25 year old Tom Welling. Yeah. I have never looked that good in a suit. <laughs> God damn, Mr. Welling. Yeah. Yeah, and he's going to his junior prom. Yeah, no shit. Come on. <laughs> anyway. Uh, man. Yeah, no. Tenth grade, I probably looked like a fucking penguin in a suit. Uh, I sure shit didn't have a tux in any, like, junior no. high or early high school dances. Nope, definitely not. Uh, so uh, we get like another another Whitney and Lana scene. Um, they're making their way past the trophy case where Whitney, you know, Whitney thought his whole life was headed, you know, was football. And, uh, you know, they're just kind of just he's just kind of moping around. Lana suggests that they get him to the bus station, uh, but he's still got an hour. Um, before they've got to go and he suggests that they go check out the gym and inside it's kind of what you'd expect kind of, there's like a bunch of balloons around and stuff and Whitney's set up a little boom box and he puts a CD in and they've got 
time for one last dance and uh he's he's trying to talk to her but she just kind of like wants him to not talk yeah and that they could just have that moment um and i like this i i can't remember i want to see is it lifehouse i can't remember this is a yeah. fantastic song i've always yeah. loved this song yeah it's uh i think it's everything is what the song is i think that's what yeah it's i can see that yeah. yeah um i just so and then I'll just like really quickly go over it. One thing about like, to me, it seems weird that like some of the dialogue to me doesn't fit with me at this point. It seems like they're trying to force him to grow up too quickly, which maybe I, I, I did not join the military at 18. So maybe yeah. that's a reaction that it would have to you, but he seems very smug a couple times where and maybe that's not how it's meant to come off. And maybe it's just the way Whitney has been portrayed throughout the first season. Yeah. But the whole in the crowd thing is like, Oh, I just felt like it was something I had to do, you know, like a calling bubble. Yeah. And like that yeah. seemed, it seemed very, I don't know, pretentious to me. And then soda's like looking in the trophy case where it's like kind of stolen. Oh, valor this used kind to of be situation. my whole life. And now it just seems so insignificant. But then I'm, I'm like, yeah, maybe he's, cha- I, I don't, I don't know what it is about it, but the dialogue in those two scenes from Whitney just bothers me. Yeah. Cause it has a, it, 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 it smacks a little bit of like he's pat he's already patting himself on the back i guess i i think it's maybe that and it's also that like he spent a good portion of his time in the first season shitting on smallville and now he's getting out of it and so now he gets to he he get he, he gets to actually like fulfill that dream of fuck it i'm out of this shitty town yeah and and i think maybe that's really disingenuous mm-hmm. I, I guess i don't know i don't know i, I whatever um but the, again the like alana motivations are fair i just don't i necessarily because i guess i've seen people do that like we yeah. live in a fairly small city it's the capital of our province in canada but it's a fairly small city of just over a million people uh it's not huge it's really blue collar and i've known people who have like grown up here and got their education here and whatever and then they leave and they just shit all over it or they come back and they act like they're too good for it. And it's like, this is where you fucking came from. Yeah. Like kind of get over you. I understand that you've had experiences and you've broadened your horizon and everything, but that doesn't mean you can go back and just shit all over the things that made you. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? I don't know. Cause that, uh, maybe, cause that maybe doesn't I'm make being you, pretentious here. Cause uh, that doesn't make you, I mean, that doesn't make you interesting. Just, no, just because, it doesn't like, yeah. congratulations. You went out and you became a better person. But that doesn't mean you're better than other people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> unless you're like out here saving lives. If, if you cured cancer and you come back, you want to talk shit, go, yeah. go right ahead. You cured cancer. You have the right to do that, sir. But like, if you come back and it's like, oh, I fucking do storyboards for commercials. The thing, the thing that they're trying to do it, and fail mostly at is that they take Whitney, a character who's been an asshole for almost the entire season he's been in, and try to turn him into a character that you can sympathize with just before he leaves. That's an excellent point. Because when I was watching this, and they were trying to turn your feelings towards Whitney, and granted, like we do have to take the events of the time into account, like yeah. Whitney's not just accidentally joining the Marines again. This is immediately post nine yep. 11. 
the series never explicitly states it because they never really refer to that because this is the DC universe and not the earth that we live in. But that's why Whitney's enlisting. Yeah. That that is expressly why he's enlisting. Um, And that there'll be callbacks to that where they kind of, they draw the parallels later on in the series. Um, Yeah. But As watching this, all I could think of is, did you ever watch the OC? I watched some, but not all of it, right? The like, first I watched some of two seasons, I want to say, of the OC were fantastic. But there was a character that was set out to be the antagonist, Luke. Mm. And Luke was an asshole. Luke showed up and beat the shit out of Ryan his first day. He's the one that had, like, the popular tagline, welcome to the OC, bitch. Yeah. Um, Luke was a fucking dickhead. Almost burned Ryan al- alive in a house. Right. But at some point, Luke became one of the best characters on the show, and they did it gradually, where they like exposed him as not this meathead fucking thing. Like they actually gave reasons to why he was acting like, dude, you showed right. up in town, you're the new guy, you're macking on my girlfriend. What do you want me to do? And then they yeah. like expanded into how he loved music and he became like this really funny character. Like they reformed that character and props to the actor who played him so fucking well. That they earned it. Whereas in this, I feel like it was like, oh, you know what? Whitney aren't the, he's not, he's not testing well to the audience and they don't like him and there's nothing sympathetic about him. So I think we need to write him off the show, but we don't really want to screw this actor over because we gave him nothing to work with. Right. So we'll make him a Patriot. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, they, uh, so he's kind of maturing beyond the character, the bounds of the character that we know a little bit. But also in this scene, he he he's trying to set up. It looks like he's trying to set up this grand romantic gesture gesture. And Lana basically like prevents him from doing it. Like she dodge. She basically dodges any conversation that they might have keeps it uh keeps the moment together without uh you know keeps it as a sweet moment but doesn't let it go to where i think where he was trying to take it yeah yeah i I have a note here where it's um uh well number one i want to say like whitney looks at her and he goes uh so i have about an hour before i have to be on the bus um (laughs) and i'm immediately thinking like obviously like the you, bone you're zone going to, you're going to the marines yes like horny little teens and we know that they've had i believe we know that they've had sex um but like that's my first thought process is like yeah why aren't you guys like banging before you gotta leave but he he, he then follows it up by like let's go check out the gym I'm like yeah all right um that's I mean, our place you, know, you could do it but yeah <laughs> yeah you could do it on the gym floor i guess um but then like the whole dance thing happens and my only note is like, so Whitney is having this dance with Lana doing his best to hold on to her. Lana is having this dance as a, her last dance to say goodbye. And it's actually like the whole thing is really sad because I think both of them know what the other is feeling and neither of them wants to acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is the song carries a lot of the the weight they could have chosen a worse uh, like a worse song and it wouldn't have held together as well but yeah you're right like 
each of them knows what the other is thinking and they're just not going to address it. And neither of them bad. wants to verbalize it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean like that, that in itself is really sad in like, yeah, we care so much for each other that we don't want to hurt each other with our own selfishness, but we also know that this can't last. Yeah. So like Whitney's really trying to hang on and he knows he's not going to be able to. And Lana wants to say goodbye, but she can't. So. Yeah. So I can't remember like in the, in the next scene at the, at the Kent's Chloe pulls up in a car and it's not like, do we know at this point that she drives a bug? Is that what she drives? Or is this the car that she drives right now? Um, or is she this does, maybe her, I, this I is maybe her dad's car. she drove a cars. bug in one episode previous to this. Yeah. I, I just assume based on, cause it, it's, it's kind of like an older kind of classic car type look that it might just be her dad's kind of hobby car or his car that he only pulls out of the garage, uh, you know, a couple times a year or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, it's red by the way. Uh, and, uh, they kind of had that classic exchange of the corsage and the boutonniere, um, and kind of, you know, kind of a, an awkward, like a kind of a nice, but awkward kind of look before they suggest that they get going. Um, and Nixon is kind of watching the whole thing from his car and he's just kind of like, he's holding the disc cause he stole the disc from Lex's office. Um, he's got like the key, um, and he's just kind of stroking it. Like he's Gollum. <laughs> My precious. Um, I, I like, um, I know like Clark's really disappointed in himself that he couldn't get the limo and everything. And, but I yeah. like Chloe is even though she's outside, like bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Like you can see she's giddy with excitement and she's like showing off her dress and, and you know, and Clark is almost speechless. Like she, she has to point down like at the corsage. Oh, is that for me? Yes, it is. Yeah. She's like, Oh wait, what? I've got yours. So she's like yeah. overly excited. And I like Tom Welling's very subtle in this uh, scene, but you can just kind of slowly see his eyes light up and a smile mm. slowly like crawl up his face. Like he's, this to me is the scene where Clark is kind of like, you know what? Yeah. I'm into this. I'm... And the thing is, I think he really is up to the point where he hears like skipping ahead a little bit, but up to the point where he hears that the, uh, that the storm is heading for town and that Lana is out in the storm. Like, yes. Oh no. And, and like that resets Clark. But I, yeah. like at this moment, you can see that Clark is like, I am like, he's really now fully open to this. Yeah. Like there's no, in this scene, there's no Lana in the back of his mind. In this scene, it's him and Chloe. And he's like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good at, I'm good with the place I'm at, which is something that Clark doesn't do a lot. It's that like Yoda thing with Luke, always thinking of the past or the future, never in the present. Yeah. And that's what Clark is always in the past, always in the future, always worrying. This is a, 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 a scene where Clark is like, nope, me and Chloe, things are great right now. Yeah. For now. Yeah, yeah and he's, uh, hmm. I can't remember what I was going to say. But yeah, yeah, he's, he's basically, uh, he like, he's very focused now 
that this is what he's going to do. He's focused on like having this night like be like he's in the excitement. He's like her excitement for it has made him kind of, you know, really buy in. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. Like she's her energy has sold him at this mm. point. Like, like whatever hesitation or worry or, or thing that was holding him back, be it Lana or just worrying about his secret or whatever, he kind of sheds that off in this instant, just right. watching Chloe glow. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say there's one thing that happens in this scene and it's been gradually happening all episode and you have to go back and you have to really pay attention. But this scene is the first time where it's kind of prevalent. And I think Chloe mentions it as they drive away, but like the wind is really starting to pick up. Yeah. Like as, as the episode has started and gone on, it starts out and it's windy at LexCorp. And then it's windy on, on like all the outside scenes and the light is gone from kind of bright and cloudy and it's slowly getting grayer as the episode goes on. So like at this point where Chloe's picking up Clark, it almost seems like nighttime, but it's not. Yeah. It's just starting. Well, because Rada's like Clark gets her in the car, like opens her door for her. And as he's going around to his side, he kind of makes a comment about the fact that clouds are really coming in. Yeah. Um, and by the time they get to the gym, like you see a bunch of prom goers rushing to get inside before the wind fucks their shit up, Mm -hmm. like their hair, like people holding onto their hair and whatever. Um, but nothing is spoiling Chloe's mood. Like she's just like bouncing up the steps. Um, Pete asks, um, her to take a photo of him and Erica just so that there's evidence it ever happened. Erica Fox, of course, as we know. Oh, yes. (laughs) Did he say that yet? Did Pete say that? I, I believe he may he may have. I don't think he did, though. I think he may have. Um, and they move off to do that, and uh, Whitney uh, kind of decides that he wants to, like, pull Clark aside to have, like, a man-to-man conversation. And again, this is, it's just, like, one of those things where it feels like the dialogue is just more grown up than the character. Yeah. Hey, uh, Lana, can I have a com- uh, second to Moment with a- Clark moment with Clark just us one-on-one please do you mind yeah yeah, yeah. and then and he's so just cool. like hey, you know Clark we've had a weird year yeah you kidnapped me <laughs> like, you cru- you crucified me in a field yeah and uh I mean it's weird man I'm sorry I just you know I thought at first you were just trying to steal Lana and my <laughs> note is he did just want to steal Lana like yeah. you weren't imagining that I'm sorry yeah. Whitney like I know yeah. I trash on you a lot but that one you were right on yeah your instincts were correct um, but he does, he goes on this tangent and he does at the end, he just like, look, do me a favor, like keep an eye on her for yeah. me. Just make sure she's okay. I just want her to be safe. And for what it's worth, I'm sorry. And I think that far more than Whitney enlisting far more than Whitney kind of acting like he's outgrown the town, apologizing to Clark to me demonstrates the most growth and the most maturity from Whitney. And I like that seemed to me very genuine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the last thing he really says to Clark. So it's, you know, pats him on the shoulder. And I have a note here and I'm not entirely sure the line of dialogue, but it's like uh, Whitney knows he's losing Lana. And like, and cause I, I thought maybe he didn't really get it, but I think he says it to Clark. 
I think he says like, yeah, it's, I think it's over between us or something like that. He says something about, he's not sure or no, he knows that she's not sure where they're at, but that he is sure. Oh, okay. And that that he wants Clark to take care of her for when he gets back. Um, yeah, but that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, Whitney heads off and Clark watches them leave. Uh, and we, we, um, we, I think we cut straight from there to the bus station and, uh, Lana gives Whitney her necklace and they hug in the car, uh, before, or in the truck before he gets out. And it's kind of like that classic scene where it's like he walks to the bus and he kind of puts one foot up on the step and then turns and looks back. Yeah. And then him doing that has her like run out and hug him again. And uh, he says, I love you uh, to her. And they kiss one more time and he gets on the bus. And it's windy as fuck. And it's windy as shit. And then cut to somebody save me. I don't think it's that yet. I think there's the really quick scene where Nixon gets what? down at the storm cellar. Storm oh, cellar. that's right. Sneaky. Sneaky and he's Nixon. Cla- yeah, and he's shining his camcorder around and he finds the ship. And he's just like, I'm going to be rich. Yeah. And he, it's, it's sort of like zooms in on the indent. Uh, on the ship that has the disc. So. The disc. I'm seriously going to get one of those made. But yeah, the, yeah, like Remy Zero being on stage. Uh, yeah, I have a small typo in my notes that says, oh my God, Remy Zero is playing the porn, which, <laughs> I mean, the prom. Um, I dunked I'm on them a little sure bit. This band broke up like immediately after this season. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I was watching. It was like I kind of get it because, like, as much as I dig the Smallville theme song, it's only because it's the Smallville theme song, and I don't know any other song by them. And I was watching this, and I was going, "These guys are trying really hard to either be REM or the Smashing Pumpkins, and I can't tell which one." And they're they're a they're a they're they're like the Smashing Pumpkins, but from Wish. (laughs) um but yeah i mean they get the the obligatory shout out which fair enough i guess i I, which no i mean not i guess it is actually really fair they have been the title track and will remain the title track for the entirety of the series and Mm -hmm. have got no real recognition or 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 call out for it so maybe a lot of people didn't even realize who the hell they were or who sang the title track so yeah. to go like, oh yeah, hey, hey, that's the song from the opening credits. Oh, this is an actual band. Cool. Uh, that's it. It is a cool step from the show's creators to maybe yeah. try to sell the band a little bit, get them some sales. Where where I kind of dunked on them was like, it's Remy Zero, and I was like, a small town prom is just the venue for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to hurt any feelings, a... but the band doesn't exist anymore. So I yeah. guess. Yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, Pete gives Clark props for, you know, finally stepping up to Chloe and comments, you know, on the great time they're having. And Chloe actually, the next song that starts playing is, I guess, one of Chloe's favorites. And it's actually like it's Remy Zero doing another one of their songs, but it yeah. kind of fades into the background. So you don't really hear what it is. 
but they apparently have two songs. So yeah, so yeah, Pete's like, "Hey, Clark, did you know this is Chloe's favorite song?" And Clark's like, "Why do you think I requested it?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Uh-huh. Um, which is awfully convenient that Chloe's favorite song is by Remy Zero. They somehow got Remy Zero to play whatever this is, the spring formal, the prom, the fucking whatever. Yeah. Um, the enchantment under the sea dance. Um yeah. And that Clark had somehow got the ear of the lead singer and said, hey, man, I need this to be on the set list at exactly this time. Um, but yeah. this is the scene I was talking about when Clark walks over to Chloe in her gaggle of friends and mm-hmm. they all part like the red and just like run away. It's not mm-hmm. even a, uh, an acknowledgement of Clark's existence. They just kind of disappear. But Clark yeah. takes Chloe's hand, asks her to dance. And as he's walking her over to the dance floor, she looks up and the smile. Mm hmm. Jesus Christ. Just. I like I I, I'm literally stunned at how warm and happy that smile is. It in it. It it never fails to amaze me. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's like one of the like it's it's definitely more than that one that, you know, where he kind of reassured her. And it's like it's basically like like everything is going exactly as she wanted it to. She's so happy. She's so happy. Yeah. Uh, And we cut to uh, Lana's driving down the highway and it's getting a little windier and she's like wiping tears from her face. Like she just is just crying her eyes out. Um, But she's not really noticing how initially, like there's little bits of debris and she's just kind of like, all right, well it's, yeah, it's a little dusty. The wind's a little bad. You know, not Pretty a big windy. Deal. I live in Kansas. Yeah, it's, it's and flat. Then, There's dirt. Yeah, and then bam, out of nowhere, she's got mail. Did she do so? Like uh, that kind of what? How did she get off the? Like did did the like lightning strike the road or something? I totally missed that. So she is driving and like there's bits of debris and she's squinting and then just like a bank of mailboxes slams into the windshield. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought she crashed like, she, cause she goes over and I thought yeah. she crashed in the fence. She crashed into was the mailboxes, but okay. Yeah. And Hi. so, so she was entrusted with taking, I think this is what Whitney's third truck of the season back in town red truck. Yeah, red truck. Uh, and uh, so this is number three. Um, and so she kind of climbs kind of painfully out of the truck into her feet, wind whipping around her, and she gapes into the field at not one and not two, but three twisters. couple things here. Now, I, early 90s, I get it. Don't want to really shit over the production value, but this looks so fucking fake. Um, I've seen tornadoes. They have sharks in them. Yeah. So kudos to you. Not kudos. Booze to you. Yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, for real. Um, for someone like um, who's only ever been exposed to like one tornado and it happened when I was a very little kid and it was a very big tornado and like yeah. ripped through our town. Yeah. Um, that was one tornado. I mean, it was like an F5. It was like huge, apparently. Yeah, well, uh, like, I remember, I so I, I I have, the only memory I have of it is being very far removed from it in terms of where I lived in the city at the time, but that the sky was literally like the color, like the clouds were like emerald green. 
Yes. Thank you. I was going to say the exact same thing. That's like one of my only real memories of it is that the fucking sky was green. Yeah. And I've never seen that happen before again since. Yeah. And yeah. thank God, because, you know, it you ripped know. through the city. Like you can literally go back. It was um like international news yeah. for like that week or whatever. Um, but yeah. uh, that was one tornado. And Lon is like looking at three. Yeah. So that's pretty fucking scary. Yeah, and like I think there's a scene later where it they literally combine into one, but um Yes, yeah, and that's the one that eventually takes the scoops her up. Yeah. But uh on the farm, the Kents have kind of done all they can to secure the animals and making their way to the storm cellar when Jonathan sees that it's open, kind of a mixed look of confusion and fear across his face, and inside Nixon is kind of hanging on to the disc and it flies out of his hand and just kind of sinks kind of magnetically into the groove of the ship just as the cancer getting down in the cellar. And there's like a, like Jonathan Kent beats the living fuck out of Nixon. And he like Martha, honestly, had she not been there, Jonathan could have killed him and gotten away with it. Yeah, pretty much. You could have beat that man to a pulp, literally dragged him out and just left yeah. him in the middle of your field. And all anybody would have thought is tornado got him. Yeah, yeah. Um, not so. It's not saying that the show should have made Jonathan a killer. <laughs> I'm to a murderer. <laughs> yeah. And he just and he just lives with that guilt. Like he doesn't tell. <laughs> it's like something like it's like a like a subplot for the rest of the series that Jonathan just tries to hide the, these murders and he just gets just like, like spirals down into this PTSD. One day pulls Clark aside. Clark, I have a secret. Well, it's not even, it's, yeah, it's not even like, it's not even, it's like Dexter where he basically just go, he just gets a taste for it and he just starts murdering people. <laughs> Smallville's first serial killer. Yeah. And he's like, look, Clark, uh, you can't tell anybody because if you do, I'm going to tell the world about you. Yeah. It's just how it's got to be, son. And then Clark snaps his neck because we know Superman does that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, before Jonathan can kill him, the ship, the ship, yeah. Paul. Yeah, and it it's lifts alive. off the ground. And uh, so it's like there's like a, a light that kind of over um, overcomes them. Because, yeah, like there's a weird like there's a light and then you see like that kind of the kind of round the compartment kind of sliding open. Yeah. The thing I like is that the, the key finds its way to that but it doesn't immediately fit in is it does this like turn, turn, turn almost like a combination lock. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like three, one way, one way, one way. And then it slams in and then yeah. like blast of light. And then the thing just fucks right off. Yeah. It's just gone, which I love because it, it, and I don't know if they go into the why or how or where it goes or whatever. I know they go into the where it goes, but I don't know if they go into the, the why or how it just fucks off. But I yeah. think it's like the ship realizing it's in danger. And it's yeah. just like, no, I'm fucking out. See you later. Yeah, I don't know if the ship goes at this moment goes to create the fortress. Or no, 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 no. The ship shows up again. Yeah. No, I I I, I... I guess we'll get to it, but I have, like, I don't remember when, but I know it does. And it has something to do with, um, it has something to do with like when Whitney comes back and all this other stuff. I only, I honestly and think they just find it in the field again. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I might <laughs> yeah. be mistaken, but I'm pretty yeah. sure they just find it in the middle of a field again. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like, uh, so, but yeah, like Nixon uses, kind of used the confusion to get away before the ship even takes off. Or maybe in that moment. Yeah. I can't remember which Yeah, goes, yeah, he runs he out to the, into the storm. And he's like, Jonathan's like, look, I gotta go after him. Um, but, uh, at the dance, Chloe and Clark are, you know, having a moment where they're kind of, you know, Clark's just like, congratulations on the song and the tux and, you know, all that. She make, makes some mention about him being a real mystery as usual. Um, and then they are about to kiss when, of course, they are interrupted at the last second on the with mic. an announcement. Yeah. Or, or excuse me. Yes, or, and then they are warned that the um, the storm is south of town and that's where Lana is. And, and my only note is, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, Smallville directors. Let them kiss. Fuck you. Yeah. And that's the thing is they just, just don't. Goddamn and, kiss. And, and Chloe's like, Clark, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. I will go get my cell and call. And she walks a few feet and then turns and he's already gone. Yeah. And that's got to be so, because she's like, Clark? She's, like, there's no yeah, way. that breaks her. That They don't really play it out as as well as they could have. Yeah. But you can tell as soon as she turns around, she like she, you almost feel like she, she knows. knows she's going to turn around and he's gone. Yeah, yeah. So because Lana's in trouble, and so as soon as Lana's in trouble, she's just she knows. Yeah. Um. There is a kind of a, a to final be fair. Scene. Yeah. Clark being Clark, if any of if Lana was there and Pete well, was we, out in trouble, yeah, yeah, Clark would do the same thing. Yeah. So like, like, yes, Lana is like the love of his life at this point. Um, but like Clark would run into a tornado for anybody, I guess, except Jonathan Kent release the Snyder cut. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's right. I took a shot at man of steel. I love that movie. Jonathan being sucked up by a tornado while Clark watches is fucking dumb. Anyway, (laughs) I do love that movie though. Man, uh, that broke me a little bit for a second there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Any chance to mention the Snyder Cut? <laughs> hey, we won. Which, it happened. We yeah. won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was you all this time. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, so there's another, there's one more scene at the mansion where things. Oh, I lost you tearing his study apart, cursing Nixon and Lionel walks in to try to talk him out of pursuing the plant buyout and they're not having it. And they start to argue. uh, And he like Lex is being really dramatic and he's kind of, you know, it's to forge a new destiny free of Lionel. And he's trying to try, um, you know, you know, and uh, um, Lex decides that he's going to quote Alexander the great and, uh, delivers the line cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. Yep. And seemingly to punctuate that moment, the window just shatters inward and there's just glass everywhere. And man, like if that fucking happened, they would be so shredded. Like that would have been enough to kill them both. Doesn't it? It does cut them a little bit though. Doesn't it? It does. I mean, like there's all kinds of shit falling from the ceiling. A beam crushes Lionel. 
Yes. Yeah. And then and, like, and Lex grabs like the poker from the fired place. And you're sure he's going to fucking just beat Lionel's head in at this point. Because Lionel's like, he's like screaming at Lex, don't be a fool. You're gambling with these people's futures and risking their mortgages. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, you bought the bank specifically so you could do that. Yeah. And you're trying to blame Lex. Like, it's just, and then like some of the dialogue in this is really great where it's Lex, you're not my enemy. You're my son. And Lex is like, I never noticed the distinction. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is like the so there's this there like it gets worse because a bit of the ceiling collapses and there's there's like a cross beam and it's like sharp and it's hanging like mere feet above Lionel's head and Lex gets to his feet and like Lionel is calling for help and Lex is just kind of staring at him and he's got oh, like a yeah, cut that's on his what head. it is. He doesn't grab the like the fireplace poker. He just sees that like if he's this thing comes down, down any further, it's going yeah. to take Lionel's head off. Yeah, and Lex is just staring at him like with And he's like literally like weighing it in his head. Should I do yeah. it? Should I yeah. just watch? Should I yeah. you, you know, pull him out? Yeah. And then uh we cut back one more time to Lana. Uh she's standing there uh watching the funnels of the uh of the tornadoes they converge into one to make you would assume I guess I guess maybe if this is basic addition where it's like three F one tornadoes becoming one F three tornado. Oh maybe not exact I just my only note was a really immature ooh a menage a trois a twister. How erotic. (laughs) Menage a twister? A menage a trois a twister. Mm -hmm. And so she gets back in the truck because, you know, whatever. Uh she uh, is trying to get her cell phone to work, which it's never going to work. Um, this is like 2001. It's not going to happen. Um, she watches a barn just get decimated, like just torn up. I mean, again, all of the effects are really shit, um, but they're doing their best with what they've got for their budget. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's figure... 90s TV budget. Like we're not playing with Netflix money here at, at this no. point in time or no. We're not even playing with Netflix being even an idea that somebody has had in their head. Well, I know at this (laughs) point, somebody at Netflix may have pitched to Blockbuster like, hey, we have this idea and Blockbuster executives are laughing them out of the room. Yeah. Uh, And wow. Yeah. Um, Clark shows up. Just as she he's kind of showing up just as the truck is dragged. Into the funnel. And Which he's okay. Yeah. So Lana's looking down that road. Clark yeah. shows up running down that road at super speed and then stops just enough time for Lana to recognize it's Clark and yell, Clark. Like, yeah. you didn't just see him running at like the speed of sound. Yeah. Or he just appears out of nowhere without a vehicle. Like, out of and nowhere. Then, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just out of the middle of nowhere. And then, like, the twister starts to pick up a, uh, a, computer generated model of a truck circa ps2 era graphics um and then it just sucks it into the blackness yeah and uh clark screams no and runs in and it fades to black and when that ended i was so fucking excited well number one i was kind of pissed because the commercials leading up to that week had shown like that cliffhanger essentially in the commercials. They'd shown that a tornado was going to hit Smallville. They showed yeah. Clark running into a tornado. They didn't show the 
truck with Lana being pulled in. They just showed Clark right. running into a tornado. And I was sure that they had yeah. lied to us with the no flights, no tights nonsense, and that Clark yeah. was going to fly in this episode. And yeah. then when they cut the episode there, I was fucking livid. And then I yeah. realized, oh, but that's okay, because he's going to fly first thing in season two. And now I sit back and I laugh and I think, oh, young Steve, you're so fucking stupid. <laughs> every time, every, and that thing is, they sort of do break the no tights thing, but every time they do, it's when Clark is not in control of himself. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's already flown. Yeah. Like, he does it in the first episode, where he's, yeah. it's kind of a dream. You don't know if it's a dream or whatever, but I p- fully believe it's Clark dream flying. Yeah. And then the dream meshes with uh, the whole thing with Lana, and she wakes up and says Clark, and then he wakes up and then falls onto his bed so like he's i mean i guess floating flying whatever but then they go through it with like even when he does spoilers folk folks later in the series when he does actually fly they explain how it's oh no but it wasn't clark flying it was like kal-el or something whatever yeah yeah um but yeah that's that is the end of season one solid fucking episode yeah Really is it real like a really solid episode? It, it 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 didn't necessarily tie up any loose ends. I mean, I guess it kind of did, but it it really with the it exception of like characters guess, places. What's yeah. that? It leaves characters in a lot of cliffhanging positions. We don't know what's happening. Like what what how Chloe's gonna feel about this? We don't know. Uh, if Lionel or Lex, if Lionel's going to be dead at the beginning of the se- the next season, um, uh, like we don't any, know anything. Jonathan ran into a tornado chasing mm-hmm. Nixon, so we don't yeah. know what's going on with either of them. Yeah. Um, and then and yeah, and Whitney got on a bus to go be a Marine. Yeah. But, and we don't even know if Pete got to fucking bang what's your name yeah what what happened with pete and erica fox Did pete bang erica fox we gotta find that out greg berlanti hit me up that is a pressing smallville season one cliffhanger issue we, we need to know um the public needs to know i actually don't think it happens because i think as season two opens up with pete and chloe cowering in a stairwell in the school yeah i think so I don't know. It's been a long time since I've watched season two guys. So at this point on, like my memory is near blank, except for like big events. Uh, so yeah. it's going to be fun. Yeah. Cause they get to relive a lot of stuff. Um, but th- yeah, no solid episode. Really liked it. Top notch performances from uh, m- multiple cast members. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and we planted the ship. The ship and the key, and those are they're they're gonna be big for a while now. Now we really start getting into um like season one is all kind of about setting up the characters. Like this is Clark Kent, he's an alien, he's got superpowers. This is Jonathan yeah. Kent, he's raising an alien, he's kind of a nice guy, but he's got some flaws. This is Lex Luthor, he's on the fence as to whether or not he's going to be a sociopathic madman or he's going to use his wealth and power and privilege for good. This is Lionel yeah. going to ensure that Lex takes the wrong path. So all of that is that. 
season yeah. two is kind of when we start getting into the mythos of the Krypton. DC universe, where it's like, let's introduce you to Krypton and and uh, and aliens and even more superpowers. Yeah, and and then then they really start playing soap opera as well. Yeah, they really they they deepen the love triangle angle because then Lana is now uncoupled from Whitney doesn't really have a love interest and it really goes into full uh love triangle between yeah. the three of them yeah yeah it gets it gets very drama and it's um i think we we start getting into the era of like breaking my heart with Alice and um Alice and Max tears yeah I think, I think, I think Chloe starts to cry a lot from here on out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I almost call her Allison Bree like a lot now. I'm like, no, this is not mm. community, but we no. should totally do a community podcast. I'd be in on that. <laughs> I fucking love that show. Um, six seasons in a movie. We made this Smiter yeah. cut happen. Smiter. Smiter. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I fucking love this show. Um, yeah. I, and, and realistically, again, just to reiterate what we said at the beginning of the, of the show, uh, anybody who's still here coming back after like a two month, almost three month hiatus, uh, welcome yeah. back. We apologize. We were gone. We know that you understand cause the world's fucking weird right now. And we could all use a little Superman, a little Smallville. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it. I want to pose, uh, 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 Twitter poll for this episode. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of doing this spontaneously behind uh, Paul's back and it's it's not his fault. We had discussed something previously to the show, but I, I kind of want to leave it up to the minds of the listeners. And if we don't get any results, then we'll just go with our original plan. Mm-hmm. As far as crisis goes, would you prefer us to do the remaining episodes episode by episode, or would you prefer us to do just a bonus episode wrapping up the events that happened in crisis? Uh, Paul and I are kind of open to either or, but we'd almost prefer to do just a single episode, just get it done and out of the way as um, this was started as a Smallville podcast and not an Arrowverse podcast. And we feel like that kind of got in the way. And um, although it probably did bring us some listeners, it did kind of hijack the show. Yeah, and so as, uh, like, not to tip the scales one way or another, because I really do want to leave it up to uh, the listeners. Maybe we'll even give it, like, a week to breathe. Um, I really think the last two episodes of Crisis suck. Uh, I don't, I I think some interesting things happen, but it's basically, it's basically five pounds of episode in a 20 pound bag it really there really isn't a ton there uh and i really think we could just talk it out in an episode yeah i don't necessarily disagree um i think the most significant things that happened in that episode happened in the last 15 minutes of the last episode yeah there's a lot of everything that happens before that is kind of really throwaway. yeah um yeah yeah but we'll leave it up to you guys because if you guys really want us to go into it, we're not going to shit on it. You know, we're not going to sit there and, and like crap all over it. But we, you know, we just it kind of, uh, like I said, hijacked or derailed the purpose of this podcast in the first place, which was Smallville. Uh, yeah. And and I, don't get me wrong, that was kind of our fault for deciding we were going to jump into it. 
but they did have a Smallville tie-in. Yeah. So we kind of did feel obligated at the time. Yeah. Um, and overall, like as far as, you know, those Arrowverse crossovers go, it's... Uh, it might be, it might still be strongest out of them just by virtue of those cool Easter eggs and stuff that we got throughout it. But it's not as, I don't think as it's as coherent a storyline as Elseworlds was, for example. Oh, I totally agree. Um, I, I, I also, well, the one thing that I think I really enjoyed and appreciated from it is that it did firmly established on screen like the multiverse which is the multiverse has always been a dc thing it was a dc thing first and you know not to be fanboyish or start like a fanboy war or anything but like the marvel movies are already doing their best to try to steal that from dc before they get a chance to implement it um and you know that if you've watched infinity war or um uh, what's the Spider-Man animated? Oh, uh, um, Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. Um, and don't get like, Marvel's been very good at that for their, like, run where they're, I, I, Kevin Feige's really good at going, I think DC might go here, so let's do it first. And he's yeah. been right, and he's been really good, and it takes a lot of the wins out of the sales of DC. And that's not Marvel's fault. That's DC's fault for not being smart enough to do it first and better. Yeah. Because um, uh, they have the potential to do so. They just keep shooting themselves in the foot for some reason. Yeah. Anyway, we're going on like two and a half hours here, which I don't yeah. mind. I actually really enjoyed it, and I think the first episode back should be a long episode and reward the people for coming back to us. Yeah, and that's the... Uh, that's the end of season, uh, season one, and uh, I'm really excited to get started with season two, but we will get Crisis wrapped up one way or another before that. Yeah, so again, we'll do the Twitter poll. Um, uh, what else, what else, what else, what else? Oh yeah, uh, again, uh, and again, just kind of echoing what we said at the beginning of the of the, the show, um, things that are going on in the world right now, COVID-19, um, I, uh, the, the, um, uh, the black lives matter movement, uh, the, well, I, I, it's not even just necessarily black lives matter movement anymore as much as it is just, um, it's definitely a rights issue, minority rights issue, um, that has, um, it's been spinning out of control for decades. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's like a 400 year old problem. Um, that for some reason seems like it has it, like, it seems like a really like not an easy solution, but it seems common sense that like, you can't keep segregating a, or you can't segregate a certain population, a certain percentage of the population and treat them differently than everybody else. And then uh, assume that they're just going to sit back and take it all the time. Um, no, uh, and like, don't come at me. Don't at me. Don't give me all your fucking bullshit narratives. If you look at a certain segment of people and they are the most jailed and the most impoverished and the most, um, affected with poor health. Um, and all of that is down to, um, uh, financial, uh, hardships, um, which is ingrained in a system that 
ensures that they're kind of at the bottom of the ladder. There's nothing you can say to change my mind that there's a certain segment of the population, largely black folks, but uh, but a lot of other minorities kind of get caught up in that, um, that they are, are definitely treated differently than the rest of us. And that's not right. It just yeah. isn't. And I'm never going to I'm never going to get on board with going with trying to, to launch a counter argument. No. Um, anyway, that's that. I just wanted to bring all those things up because I really just wanted to say that, like, we here, uh, myself and Paul, are, are thinking of you. Um, you are in our hearts. We do wish you the best. Um, we don't want to speak for you, um, but we we do support you in, in the struggle um that that you deem worthy and we as well deem it worthy i don't know if if, if any of yeah. this makes any sense or if i'm even using the correct words but you know love you stay safe stay healthy yeah and that goes for me too i mean i i i more than anything i'm angry about how long this has been a problem and uh I just, yeah, I just, uh, I'm with you. I, I hear you, I see you, and uh, just, yeah, really, everybody stay safe, most of all. Um, and if you have a problem with any of that, you don't have to listen to our show. Yeah, and you could suck it. Anyway, all that being said, Paul, what happens on the next episode of Smallville? Well, on our next episode of Somebody Save Us, we haven't quite decided what we're going to do Let's with crisis. But as far as Smallville's concerned, I actually didn't pull up the... Oh, that's right. Uh, you said you lost the it. The season two. Yeah. So we'll get to that after our crisis. I can wiki it. Let's wiki it real quick and see what you the want to wiki it right now. And then uh, we can just, you know, we can cut it in. Season two, episode one, Smallville. Yeah, so you look it up, and then I will say something like, you can cut out a little bit, but like I'll say, hey, Steve, how about you tell me what's next time? And then you'll say it. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've got a yeah. quick overview. Okay, we can do it. Okay. Hey, so, okay, do you want to leave like a little space so that you can edit it more easily? Uh, we can put this all this in, and people can just know we're idiots. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll do it that way. All right, so why don't you then just tell me? what the next episode is. I'm going to show you, I'm going to see if I can do your announcer voice as well as you do. I doubt I can though. <laughs> After rescuing Lana from the eye of the storm, Clark discovers it has dropped the spaceship into the fields, burying alive his father and the unscrupulous reporter who discovered his secret. Dun, dun, dun. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and looking forward to it. Um, and again, I guess more than any time ever, um, our sign-off seems real Redundant. legit. So until <laughs> next time, ladies and gentlemen, somebody save us. You guys know at the end of every fucking episode, I forget where the uh, stop recording button is. Found it. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>